Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado, coming right at you after the end of UFC uh, Mexico, Brandon Royville versus Brandon Moreno 2, going down at the CDMX in Mexico City, and uh, an interesting night, I don't know, like... I kind of feel like the UFC has to stop. Like, the crowd was great and energetic and brought a lot of liveliness to the event. But the UFC has to find a place that's not Mexico City to hold these cards in Mexico. You know? You mean like the elevation? Yeah. Everybody looked tired. Brandon Moreno looked tired. Brian or or Yair Rodriguez looked tired. Daniel Zellhuber looked tired tired you know like everybody just they they even had this they didn't i don't give one. a fuck zane i don't just, care like i don't care like i shut it i don't care like you find an elevation it's not like it favors everyone fights at elevation it's no not i like know one person has to do it and the other doesn't no I but i just don't, I don't elevation talk like stop i just don't ah. need to see a bunch of fighters fighting it like half capacity even if they're all doing it i don't care I don't care. It's like a it, it's an added wrinkle. Like the cards are relevant anyways, right? Like there's there's like two 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 fights with ranked fighters. Like who cares? Let's see let's see heart. It's it you know, it's a it's a wrinkle. Like Yeah, but it's this is the only place that the UFC goes in Mexico. You know? Like it can't be every time the UFC goes to Mexico it's just going to be an endurance test every single time. Can it? Yeah, it can. Just like the way that's like saying, don't go to Australia because of the taxes. No, it's not. Fighters aren't being like, oh man, this tax burden is really slowing down my output. Not slowing down their pockets, though. It's uh, you know, everywhere has its own its own thing. Like yeah. if you don't if you don't want to fight at elevation, don't fight in fucking Mexico City. It's that simple. If you train at elevation, okay. Like so what, I, really then what I'm saying is, train, you know, fight on the Mexico card. Then I'm saying every fighter should refuse to fight in Mexico City. Is what I'm saying. Them, and then we'll just get the cardio kings fighting on the Mexico card. No, just yeah, all of them refuse. Right. All of them refuse. You screw the, the whole cardio things. Like if you're going to be a cardio king, you can be a cardio king at sea level too. I want to watch that. I don't want to watch a bunch of lightweights looking like light heavyweights out here. That's not. That's not the fun version of MMA for me. Oh no, man! Roy Vall threw like almost five hundred strikes. <laughs> yes, and if he'd put any weight behind any of them, I would also feel much more like he clearly won this fight. But that's never the case with him, right? Yeah, no, it's not. 
like he has he has certain tools that he throws, like that knee that will cause damage, just the, yeah. the mechanics of the move itself. Um, but when it comes to his just all around volume, it's it's soft. It <laughs> is. Know? It's soft I, volume. How did you, I gotta ask straight away then? How did you score the fight? Because I I threw out the controversial scorecard, but I want to hear yours before I. I could so let me preface this with saying, I could see the fight either way. I feel like that fifth round was close. I had it two two going into the fourth, and I gave the into fourth, the fifth or into the fifth. I'm sorry, and I gave the the fifth to Roy Vall. So okay, I th- I had the fight, and this is my controversy. It, it is I'm happy at least one judge actually agreed with me. Although it's Junichio Kamijo, which makes me a little bit more suspect of myself. But I had it 49-46 Moreno. Because of the leg kicks? No, because he landed the cleaner, heavier shots in four out of five rounds. Moreno landed volume, but so much of it was just pitter-pat glancing off the guard. He threw 400 strikes, landed 27% of them, just kind of, you know, like there's that exchange at the end where Royval is like short-arming all these little slappy punches on Moreno. And it's like, yeah, maybe 10 of those landed that you give him credit for, but sure, not one of them felt like they moved Moreno even an inch. No, that's that's fair. That's fair. But what I will say is I favor that way more than wall install, and that's what Moreno was doing. That. That is fair. Moreno was trying to <laughs> to uh, hold. He was the one trying to slow the fight down, trying to make it not fun. I I fully agree. You know, I can't deny, and I'm not going to sit here and you know say I'm so mad that that Royville won that fight. You see, but I will. <laughs> I will die on the hill that quality of shots should count. Like sure. You know, the the meta of volume and pressure and aggression that is pushing fights, I'm actually, I love it. I'm I'm happy about it. It's a way that MMA should go. But then judges should also be looking at how clean are these shots landing? How powerful are the, how, how, what is the quality of the work being done? Not just the quantity. Which rounds did you give Moreno? I gave him one, two four and five. Oh, you gave him the fifth. Okay. Yeah. All right. I thought the third was his real, just not do anything of consequence round where where Royval's volume edge. Sure. Made the most difference. Well, he also got kicked in the nuts that round. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure that, uh, that didn't help his case any. So that's my screed. I do feel like Moreno, should have won that fight empirically based on quality of offense. I get why he didn't. I'm not going to come back around to that and try to claim it as some secret victory for Brandon Moreno in the future. But I was at least glad one judge agreed with me. So, you know. Yeah. um, Like I said, the fifth round was really close and it could have gone either way. And honestly, if it wasn't for that late surge for, from Roy Vall, I might've went the other way with it. But yeah, it was just really close, really close fight. It it was definitely, I mean, Moreno, I don't know. I don't know about that whole, I get, I guess I get that like Royval puts out so much offense that you don't really want to test him to a cardio foot race. 
and in Mexico City, to your point. Yeah, especially in Mexico City. And that he over he he walks in without a lot of power, so you really do want to sit and wait for him to expose himself because he there's no defense there when he's moving forward. But it does also feel like Moreno really just gave up the pressure game and he just let he let Royval set the tempo, which is yeah the reason it, that I he mean, lost the fight. It looks like a weird game of tag, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh I don't even know if Moreno bled at all for no. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why Dominic Cruz was so stumped, right? True, true. (laughs) No bleeders. How do you score it? Is a mile higher than 7,000 feet? I don't know. (laughs) No, Moreno did not jab the southpaw. He did not. As an orthodox fighter. He really did a lot of swimming. Like, there was a lot of Chuck Liddell in Brandon Moreno tonight. Just those swimming overhands again and again. Honestly, there was a lot of Yoel Romero. Yeah, Brandon yeah. Moreno tonight for whatever reason. A lot of like backing up and like it, but it, it worked for the first two rounds. Oh my god! Yeah, holy shit! Somebody Damn. agrees with you. Is that yeah. me? Am I in the chat? That's right, Eddie. Yeah, get your get your alt out of the chat here. Come on. <laughs> That's wild. Um. No, but it worked for the first two rounds. Moreno was doing really well with his counters. Just waiting, waiting, waiting. Throw your volume, throw your volume, and then bam, crack them clean. And then something just happened in the third. I don't know if it was the altitude or the gassing or the kick to the nuts or just Roy Vall making adjustments and uh, doing well defending the takedowns. But Roy Vall kind of just took over. No, I mean, the pace war was clearly won by Brandon Royval. It's, it is what it is. It's the game. He called out Alessandra Pantoja after the win. I'm not, like, not, I'm not feeling it, you know? Like, we just saw that fight. It was okay, not great. But, uh... Um, yeah, that was it. That was a, uh a grueling fight that Pantoja really had to dig deep to win in a boring kind of way. Yeah. <clears throat> but you also have to look at, um, you have Amir Albazi, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've got a couple people saying that they, that they should do Albazi Royval, which this was supposed, cause this was supposed to be Albazi Moreno originally. I'm fine and- with that. I mean, I secretly want Moreno to face someone like, you know, much further down. Well, not Moreno. Abazi Royval, I mean. You do Abazi Royval is what we're people are saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they that gets you a title shot. But then then it's also in the meantime, like, what, you, what is Alessandro Pantoja doing? I mean, I know he's doing a little mini campaign yeah. for Sean O'Malley, like every single, because every single UFC champion is now trying to fight the guy above him. But uh, it does kind of feel like this is just going to be we're going to play back Royville Pantoja because what else out there is there for? Well, I think um, I think this was the coming out party for Royval as a UFC mainstay flyweight. He's finally getting these rematches in as all flyweights do. You got to get one more Kai Kara France in there to really complete things. So 
he's probably he's probably banished to the land of rematches and you know trilogies from here on out yeah there is somebody who's mentioning like the problem with a fight like Mokaev Perez is being mentioned in here or with Manal Kopp is it really feels like those guys if Mokaev wins that fight Kopp is coming off his win over Felipe Dos Santos really feels like they need another big fight to put themselves in contention honestly that's how I feel about Amir Albazi but that's another conversation for another time yeah I don't know Probably, honestly, probably, I would just say do Albazi Pantoja and then have Royval face like Mokaev or Cop. Do do Royval Cop and do Albazi Pantoja. But sure, you know, sure. What do you think of this fight? By the way, you like it? You not like it? The the Royval Moreno, Royval Moreno too? Yeah. I didn't dislike it because Royville kept the action high. He kept the tempo high. I didn't love the way it actually looked, though, and I really don't like the way it was scored. You know, it felt a couple people have mentioned already. Moreno felt flat. He looked like he was not that well prepared for the altitude or for Mor- or for Royville's style. Yeah. Really struggled to like scramble with Royville at all in a way that the first fight really showed him as like the better scrambler, the better grappler, somebody who could beat Royville to positions and win out on the ground. I expected to see more of that from him here. And he didn't really feel like he wanted to make that fight happen. Yeah. I was expecting a lot more of the fifth round Moreno. Yeah. Biting down and willing to have these prolonged exchanges in the pocket instead of on the back foot trying to counter with one strike. Yeah. I don't know if there's an injury going on. A lot of fucking weird shit going on with the legs in this card. You got the guy earlier that like stepped in that space between the canvas and the cage. You had Brandon Moreno out here hopping on all weird on his leg. You had or Brian Ortega injuring himself in his introduction with hopping on his leg. <sighs> like, just a weird leg night. Yeah. It was just a weird card. Yeah. Let's talk about Brian Ortega. Yeah, Rodriguez. Once again, this was just a this was just a weird fight. Like, yeah, Rodriguez went out there and had a really good solid first round against Brian Ortega and then just couldn't defend a takedown to save his life for the rest of the fight. Like (laughs) Ortega is not a, he's a, he's a great grappler, but he's never been like a master takedown artist. And a lot of what worked for him here just felt like it was like a single leg or a body lock or like jumping a guillotine or jumping on the back standing. Yeah. Or things like that. Unorthodox, like well, more more standard jujitsu takedowns, I'll say. Yeah. That are yeah. just shy of guard pulls. Exactly. And Rodriguez just he didn't seem ready for it at all as the fight went on. It was so what I saw was Rodriguez coming out there whooping ass. 
looking sure. phenomenal on the feet, rocking Ortega, dropping him, firing at will, attacking the legs, attacking the body, going to the head. Everything was fucking perfect. He goes on the ground with him, does fantastic, hanging with him there. And then there's there's a moment where um, a leg kick actually dropped Ortega. And Yair decided to enter into the guard. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, is it because you caught that triangle or that armbar in the first fight that you feel that confident? You're that arrogant that you you just want to tangle with this guy on the ground willingly? And then, you know, Ortega got up and just got his own takedown. And and Yair didn't get up. The second round comes and gives up the yeah. easy takedown. He had that, that small flurry, but then... It was all Ortega. It really, in the second round, it really felt like Yair was just like, he got put on his back and it almost felt like he was just content to wait and let Ortega elbow him in the head and never even made a move to try and get up at all. And I was like, oh, well, maybe he's just, you know, reserving his energy, whatever, trying to, to make the fight uh, you know, draw the fight out because I every at least everybody was t- talking online before the event happened that Ortega didn't train at elevation at all mm. for this. That he just stayed home in California and flew out fight week. You know, interesting. I know they do have mountains in California, but no, of course there's Big Bear out there and stuff yeah. like that. But you know, that was the word and. Man, that brings me back. Remember when you couldn't get through a UFC broadcast without hearing Big Bear mentioned like 30 fucking times? Yeah. No kidding. Those were the days. So then, you know, the third round comes along and it's just really clear suddenly that like, it's not that that Rodriguez can't, is just trying to like preserve himself and, you know, isn't trying to get up. He just can't deal with Brian Ortega's wrestling and grappling game at all. Like... Just got taken down and arm triangled immediately and like right. and that's what I mean earlier. I yeah. think I think he he thought he was more clever than he is because of what happened in the first fight. Yeah, must be because you know, I didn't see the point really of holding either of these two rematches that much. I you know, I was they were gonna be they're fun fights, they're fine fights, but it was just like you know, they were both injuries that were caused by the opponent in the first fight. Like they both seem super necessary to me. Okay, well, well to me it was well because flyweight you have to right. That's the nature of flyweight. If you're sure. if you're at the top, you're doing that. And uh, yeah, this one just seemed appropriate. I felt like they needed to run this one back. I don't know. To me, I mean, to me, it's like the, it's it was weird to have it be the fight they ran back the first time Ortega had fought in two years. Like, yeah, Rodriguez went out there. He blew Josh Hammond out of the water. He fought Volk for the belt. And Brian Ortega has just been injured for a couple of years. And it's like... What do you mean? You know. He's also been doing that whole renaissance thing. You know, the eagle with the ripping the boots oh, and the feathers and the talons or whatever. The, <laughs> the rebirth. What do, you, what do you call it? Brian, for the love of God, if you are ever in ownership of any birds, please do not pluck all their feathers. Okay? Don't do it. Man, how about Yair Rodriguez losing two fights in a row by getting finished? 
Yeah. Both third rounds, too. I wonder if he did yeah. that You think he gassed? I, that's the thing. Is it like, that's part of me in this whole, like, I don't want to, I don't need to see these extra high altitude fights. We don't need UFC Machu Picchu. Okay. We don't. We don't need <laughs> UFC Everest. <laughs> yeah. Um, it did feel like to me, it just felt, yeah, like he might have just run himself past his cardio really quickly. And I don't know. All right. Uh, but yeah, for our T- Ortega, what's next? I mean, they kind of got to do Ortega Topuria, right? Um, I mean, I would rather see it over Evloev. And I mean, Evloev is like, I, you, you heard what Dana White had to say about Mopsar Evloev after Evloev's very solid, totally reasonable win over Arnold Allen. Dana White was like, that was the worst fight I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. I hated it. Evloev sucks and he's a clown and we should never watch him fight. I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but. Um, I mean, I would love to see Evloev versus Topuria at some point, but I just don't think the UFC is going to do it. So at that point, you kind of got like Max Holloway's booked. You can't, you're not just going to unbook that gagey fight. And I don't know, I'm not all feeling all that confident about Holloway coming out of that with a win. So I don't even want to like try to look past that as like, oh yeah, Holloway can bounce off that right into a title shot at featherweight. You just kind of have to do Brian Ortega versus Ilya Toporia. Or Ortega Volk rematch? Mmm, that... Uh, um... I mean, but Volk's talking about fighting late in the year, and he wants his rematch with Toporia anyway. Like, I don't know. You could, but... It'll be interesting to see how it, it shapes out, because... It's kind of I, hard to say. There's I would no be clear... fine with I'd be fine with an Ortega Volk rematch in like 2 years. You could do that rematch anytime. It doesn't need to be like Ortega's path to title contention. He's right now he's just the only contender free not coming off a loss. You could do him and Ilya and then yeah. if Ortega loses then do the rematch with Volk. Maybe. Exactly. Like they they that fight I'm happy. I'm fine seeing it as a benchmark for Ortega and a benchmark for Volkanovski at some point in the future. But I just don't need to see it in the yeah. Later. PFL the PFL had a card today. The PFL versus Bellator card, and it was better than this card. Way more relevant, and my picks were way better for the Bellator <laughs> card than they were this UFC card. Um, is that something somebody is saying that the PFL? Yeah, card? someone said it in the chat. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah, it's true. It was a better card. But it was a pay-per-view. That part and it was, was cool. on early in the morning, so I just kind of forgot about it my time. Oh, yeah, true. And Bellator ran shop up until Ryan Bader. What are the odds you think, though, that they do, Ryan? They actually ever, we ever actually see uh, Francis Ngannou versus Henan Ferreira? Yeah, they're, they're going to do that next. Next, assuming that, like, well, you mean, you mean if ever is Francis ever gonna leave boxing and go, yeah, back yeah, like, if see. he has an even halfway decent fight with uh, you know, 
Joshua. Anthony Joshua, does he then turn around and be like, yeah, I'm going to fight Hanan Ferreira in the PFL? I don't know. Maybe. I guess it, it really depends what happens. Because if yeah. he does, like, even if he... Uh, that would be nuts. Like, if he goes and does decent against Joshua, even wins, and then he goes and defends, or I guess captures the PFL heavyweight belt, that would be, he would be the baddest man on the planet. Hands down. No, I mean, there's, you know, I can, I, I can see a world in which Nganu fights for the PFL again at some point. And if he does, then Ferreira is positioned to be the right dude. And if Ferreira is smart, he accepts no other fight until that Francis Ngannou fight gets made. Because that is a guaranteed $2 million purse, at least. Yeah. As the B-side to Ngannou. Ngannou already, or, you know, so just if you're Ferreira, you're like, man, he doesn't want to come fight for two more years? I'll wait. I just want a million dollars in the tournament. I can wait two years for one fight where I'll make $2 million. Honestly, during the broadcast, they were angry. John Jones was there in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. They were angling for him and Francis Naganu. Yeah, well, Jones does seem like he is going to uh, drive himself. You know, he, he seems like he's on his way out of the UFC at some point here through retirement or something. But I think he also signed a really big deal with the UFC again for his last fight. So they would probably be sitting on that for like every every last minute of it you know if that deal is for like eight fights or five years they're gonna wait those five years all right all right we're getting a little lost in the theoretical here that brings us to a lightweight bout daniel zellhuber francisco prado i will say this was a really impressive fight to me um you said his name wrong it's francis drew Prodober. Okay, okay. <laughs> Tell me that all looked like a he, you know a, he, a Latino for you know Drew Dober out there. He does. Fight like him too. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh Zell Huber uh Zell Huber Prado, this was this was a very impressive fight, I thought. This was my surprisingly impressive fight of the night. Prado coming out, fighting like a bull really knowing how he needed to fight Zell Huber, getting inside, throwing with power. And then for Zell Huber to actually adjust and start meeting Prado with knees and start meeting him with counters when Prado would, would throw more than one strike on the way in, he was able to really shut Prado down in the second round and then start fencing him out in the third behind the jab. And it was just a really good performance from from Zell Huber and an impressive performance from Prado to, you know, to come out and really push it hard early in a fight that he was giving up like eight inches of reach. Yeah. I gave the first round to Prado. Oh yeah. He yeah. brought it. He absolutely he brought it, but yeah, just the command of range from Zell Huber was on point. He showed up, he, he, he was in full form, you know, he looked like, he looked like a problem out there. He looked like what, what we want him to be. He looked nothing like uh, what was that Trey Ogden? Who did he fight? Yeah, like Trey Ogden against. Yeah, that guy wasn't here, so no. I thought it was good to see him just navigate those overhands and getting backed up to the cage because that's kind of his kryptonite. So seeing him, you know, 
deal with that against someone who packs a wallop was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was good work from him, and I was really happy to see it too. The that that fight he had with Ogden was really a just a sort of got he got caught in the lull of sparring somebody who was there just to jab and low kick him. And Prado, I loved what Prado brought out of the fight. So that was a cool fight. I was happy with it. And um yeah, I'm happy to see what Zell Huber can do in the future uh, of the lightweight division. He's huge. He's got a great frame. A lot of fun. You know what that... I need to see now? Mm. Zell Huber versus Drew Dober. Come on now. Okay. Okay. The B version. I... Now you find the A version. Enough of this. Enough of this. But yes, we could. Ju- he can fight. He can fight Drew Dober. Then they can bring back AJ Fletcher. And then they can go find Sean Shirk and dig him up. What? And we'll just get all of the little fire hydrant shaped dudes out there for him to fight. Sean Shirk. Wow. I know. Showing your age. I am. I am. <laughs> all right. That brings us to a woman's straw weight bout. Yasmin Haragi, Sam Hughes, and... Uh, you know, I expected this to be a harder fight for Hargi, just a little bit. Hughes has been uh, tough out for a lot of people lately, but she made this fight look real easy. So good on good on Hargi for Hughes. She just, you know, she didn't she she does not have the she needs to work on her takedown drive because she was getting in on Hargi and on her hips a, a couple of times. And she would just move straight up into into the body and into the clinch instead of being able to drive through and on a double. And all of her takedown attempts stalled brutally. And at that point, it's just like you're stuck, you're stuck out at range with a much slicker, faster boxer than you. There's not a lot that you can do here. Yeah. I mean, she never got discouraged. She never stopped yeah. trying. She just didn't she just didn't have the tools that she needed yeah. to, to get a win here. Um, not a great fight by any, no. any uh, stretch of the imagination. But it's funny, in the first round, Sam's getting kind of pieced up on the feet. And, like, before she would get hit with something, her coach would yell out, it's about to happen. And then it would yeah. happen. So, like, her coach is watching her about to get dinked and then calls it out and then gets dinked with it. And it's like, that's got to be, like, a frustrating position to be coaching someone. And, and you see it happening and they can't see it. They don't have that vision. Yeah, well, they, she just doesn't have the speed, too. Sure. You know, I think that's part of it. The foot speed, for sure. Yeah. Somebody here recommending Yasmin Hargi versus Jillian Robertson. I could also see her against, like, didn't Mizuki Inouye come back recently and get a win? Yeah, over Hannah Goldie or just some somebody else. You know, she, she had a bad knockout loss. Just kind of... Like an Emily Ducote or something? Yeah. Oh, we... Let's see. Do we already, or we could do uh, Hargi versus uh, Loma Lukbunmi. I'd be here for that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but also, I have to say in that fight too. This was I remember this now, and it really bugs me. Safe Sayud, great coach, and Fortis MMA. A lot of their fighters 
really improve the solid game plans, all that. He kept telling Hughes to go southpaw because it would take away Haragi's right hand. And what? That is, I mean, credit to Dominic Cruz. He he gets all over the place. He doesn't know how how high a mile is. All that. It's a conversion factor. But he at least knew enough to immediately be like, wait a minute. Isn't the first go-to tool when facing a southpaw the right hand? Because facing a southpaw is, if you have a bad jab, it takes away your jab. But it doesn't take away the backhand. What the hell? I don't and know. Hughes don't know. did try to go southpaw several times in the fight and just got dialed up every single time she tried it. And, you know, safe, man. Like, I don't. Well, maybe maybe he just knows the way she operates and knows when she's southpaw, she circles this way. And Yeah, maybe, you know. but. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's uh just a yeah. pattern that just wasn't wasn't there in the fight. Who knows? Who knows? It was just weird. It was a All tough right. fight for her though. It was it was a very tough fight. It was a it was a fight that Hughes was very unlikely to ever win. Um it was just, you know, good on Hargi for showing up with the be- with a good style matchup for her and making it look like a good style matchup. Oh, we got Not- a good point here. Um the coaches are at altitude also. Let's That's true, that. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. That air, Alt- a little altitude sickness. Maybe yeah. he's just, you know. I don't know if he flew in early to coach at altitude. That's right, yeah. He should have. They should have. You got you to gotta come in at least two weeks early and yell at somebody for half an hour, twice a day. Get your reps in. Or at so. minimum, do those altitude chambers. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a lightweight fight. Manuel Torres, Chris Duncan, booked to deliver, absolutely delivered. Every fight I watch Manuel Torres in, I am like, man, you are going to get knocked out so hard one day. And every single time, it's just like, but not today. Uh, Here's what I got to know. Who fooked whose girlfriend? <laughs> I mean, These guys were not playing at all. Like, at yeah. all. Torres gets rocked right away. It looks like he's about to go down. And, like, dude rushes him. And Torres is like, head kick, boom. And it yep. raises him. And, like, crazy, crazy just car crash of a fight. I loved every second of that it. rock bottom slams right straight into the straight yeah. into the rear naked choke. Yeah. He's got like a standing seat belt like over under yep. and just rock bottoms him. This was insane. It was a crazy fight. Torres is quickly becoming must see. The UFC should 100% book him against Patty Pimblet, like he called out, which yeah. Patty Pimblet will absolutely not take. But uh, yeah, Torres like. Like I say I keep every time I see him, I'm like, man, he is gonna get knocked out really bad by somebody just ready to meet him. Duncan cracked him right away. But until that happens, he will be absolutely a thrill to watch. Oh yeah, dude. He fights like a light heavyweight. Yep. Super fun. 
All right, that brings me to my highlight of the night, which is Hani Barcelos, Christian Canones. I am like the last remaining Hani Barcelos fan on the planet out there, so I'm not not a. I picked him to win. Yeah, good. I'm I'm glad to hear it because I saw a lot of people p- picking Christian Canones here, and I was just like, man, this would have to be a horrible off night for Hani Barcelos. For him to lose this fight, he almost lost this fight, Zane. and he almost <laughs> lost this fight. He, he's just you know he's getting old. He he was born a decade too late or a decade too early, not the right decade, whatever it is. Sure. He was not born at the right time because he's now like thirty seven. Yeah, no, and the, the wheels are falling off to the point where they had to pop one back on. Yeah, <laughs> mid fight. Dude shoulder popped out and they just popped it back in. And dude yeah. not only win the fight, but get a finish. And you can see like afterward too, he's doing the the interview and he's got his arm like hooked into his belt so that he can like keep it propped up. Like that arm was done. And he went out there and got that third round rear naked choke. And that was just a thing of beauty. Like Yeah, that was awesome. This whole fight was awesome. Like it was. Everybody was getting hurt, you know. Um, everyone was bleeding, busted up, and and watching Barcelos just be a salty veteran and dig deep and go out there and get the finish. Like, especially oh. too, as a dude who also apparently d- reportedly did not train at altitude for this fight. That's like tough. for him to get the third round finish. The awesome, especially after dropping that second round so clear. Like, yeah, no, this was great. Great fight. Shout out to the UFC translator, by the way. That dude was out there translating Portuguese to Spanish to English. That dude needs a performance bonus for sure. He he is on. I don't know how the UFC ended up with him, but I think that dude might be the best translator in all of sports, honestly. Like, yeah. The UFC is so, so lucky to have Fabiano Buski. He is. Just he's the dude is the best thing about him too. Is the man gets all of the intonation right. Like if a fighter is excited, he translated yeah. translates it excited. Yeah. Like man, no, he's, he's great. He's becoming an icon. He is. I had to interview him. You Remind should me to interview him. I will. I will. T- I will. I will tell you to do it. I'll make a note. So I love seeing Barcelos get the win. I don't know what it puts him in line for. Christian Canona, is a, he, he's an anybody in that division. So the, uh, you know, what, what do you get off of a fight like that? You get a fight with like. I mean, I it doesn't know. matter. It doesn't. Yeah. You fight somebody like Kyung Ho Kong or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anybody. But I was happy. I am happy to see him get the win. I'm always happy to see the old man get the win. All right. That brings us to a flyweight bout. This is the other controversy controversy moment of the night. In fact, could be the biggest controversy moment. I, the fight didn't matter at all, and I hate even thinking of it. I just know that I had people coming after me for like 20 minutes after this fight for being like... I can see how Aguilar might have won that fight. Well, yeah. Kind of, yeah. I mean, 
he won the second round. All the judges scored it for him. Sure. It was, you know, it wasn't the, him the second round. Yeah. He won the second round on everybody's card. He lost the third round on everybody's card. And the first round was a really messy toss up. And I don't really see like, you know, he's, if he, I hate using stats for this kind of thing, but he's basically credited for all the significant strikes in that round. Which round is this? Are you speaking on the first round? And how many is that? Seven. He got seven. Stop it. Mendonca got one. Mission attempts. Stop it. Submission Submission attempts. Closest this fight was coming to be being finished. And they did not give officially Mendonca a submission attempt in round one. But he he had one. He had that that triangle armbar going. Yeah, he had that he had that armbar attempt. And then he had that at the end of round one too. Yeah. He got it. He got credited for a submission attempt in round three, but he did not get credited for one in round one. I thought that, that was the best offense of the round, so I gave it that round to him based on that offense. But it uh, it was just a terrible fight. So who cares? That was a decent fight, a fine fight, competitive. You know, there were some slow just- additional exchanges, but I thought it was an okay fight. Yeah, it's very very blue belt, you know. Uh, a lot yeah, of messy grapples. The shit Mendoza was doing out there, like setting up those submissions, you're out of your mind. It's not a lot. A lot of positions lost. A lot of, you know, I don't know. It was aggressive, but well, it it was that altitude, Zane. It might be. It might be that altitude. I, hey, you said it, not me. I thought Mendoza won though. I gave him one. I did. I scored the fight for Mendoza as well. I scored. I gave him the first and the third round, but I don't see any reason that Aguilar couldn't have won the first round, and everybody thought he won the second. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to never thinking about that fight again in my entire life. (laughs) But I had a whole bunch of people very mad about a fight that they also will never be thinking about. Gambler's got it raw, this card, I feel like. At least that's what I was seeing from Twitter. I don't know. These people were mad about fights that nobody in their right mind should care about. Well, they were probably happy about the PFL Bellator card. That was yeah, that... easy money all day. Yeah, that was easy money. All right. That brings us to a catchweight bout. Edgar Chires, Daniel Lacerda, both men missing weight for this one. And this, at, at the very least, was the absolute pinnacle of a totally unnecessary rematch. <laughs> it's like a formality. Yeah. We needed to go see Daniel Lacerda go out and melt down again almost immediately in a fight for the fifth straight time in the UFC. Like... Or is it sixth? Was that his sixth uh, sixth uh, UFC fight? I don't think it was six. That's Either it. way, um, how about you getting his purple belt? Yeah. <laughs> you just got your purple belt? What? That's insane, dude. You got a stingy coach or something. Yeah. <laughs> you got in this too soon. That was his sixth straight instant meltdown. 
in the UFC. Oh, wow. Damn. He has had six straight losses. I'm going to include the no contest to Chirez last time out. Oh, yeah. With two of them, only two of them reaching the second round. Lacerda should be concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's on that Sam Alvey tip. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sam Alvey, hey, you know, Sam Alvey won a few fights in the UFC. We forget that because his late career run was so bad. But he had a minute where he was like treading water. In late career. He is the current karate combat heavyweight champion of the world. <sighs> Sam, smiling Sam Alvey. Thank you very they much. They sent you way too much free shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right. Uh, yeah. Before that, Ferris Ziam, Claudio Puelas. Happy to see the scoring go this way in this one. Oh, I scored it for Puelas. Did you? I sure yeah. did. But I could clearly see the first round going the other way. Yeah. It was just one of those like. You're barely edging damage for really bad rounds in a really close fight. Yeah. But it was like Zion would land one big strike. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and like the positional grappling was just that. So it's like, not fun. No, not a good fight. (laughs) Uh, For that, though, Ronaldo Rodriguez, Denis Bondar, and uh, eh, fun, fine, flyweight fight. Bondar, unfortunately, I mean, it's got to hurt to be like tiny enough to be a natural flyweight, but not have the athleticism to be a natural flyweight. Because Bondar is, he looks way more technical than Rodriguez. He's looked like a more technical, complete fighter than every fighter that he's faced in the UFC. And then they just go out there and start horsing him around and beating him up, and he can't take it. And yeah, talk about a meltdown. He looked great yeah. in the first round, and then yeah, <clears throat> Rodriguez started landing big shots, and he couldn't take it. And maybe the cardio, maybe the altitude. Anyway, <laughs> could be that stupid ass altitude. That's right. That's right. All right. Yeah, but there was a point where. Um, where Bondar got on top in a scramble and then he bailed on it and dropped back for a heel hook. Yeah, that was opposition. And, and was it was like, nah. And that was that was the end of it. He got choked quickly after that. So And that was after I, I think that was after Rodriguez went for like a lateral drop and like threw himself on his back and threw Bondar on top of him. Yeah. And then Bondar dropped back to the leg lock and it's like, okay, look. Or maybe he went for a guillotine now. I can't remember. It was something stupid. It was, but it was like big body triangle situation. It was just like he, Rodriguez made a terrible mistake and Bondar just 100% let him off the hook for it. Yeah. How about that spinning elbow that Rodriguez ate? That was insane. Yeah. Rodriguez, I mean, you can say what you you know want for Bondar not being maybe a powerful athlete in the flyweight division, but Rodriguez can take it. And this is a dude who 
His only losses have been decisions, and he looks like he's got a hell of a... He, he looks super durable and like a really, you know, hard fighter, punishing fighter to try to take to take out, so... Yeah, he reminds me of Figueredo. Mm-hmm. Just that real calm, pressuring power style. Yeah, yeah. Not high output, but dude right. can hit hard and can take a lick and... All right. That brings us to a, another flyweight bout. Felipe Dos Santos, Victor Altamirano, and... Robbery? No, I love this decision. What? The ultimate snuggling championship? No. No, it's the ultimate fighting championship. Altamirano came out there with all the all the inconsequential takedowns. Oh, come on. Got absolutely nothing done with any of them and got hit harder in at least two out of three rounds. Ah, oh, come on now. One judge even had it 30-27. Yeah, yeah. I, look, none of these rounds were good. This was, once again, not a good fight. Not a good fight. I don't I'm not going to sit here and imagine trying to care about this fight 5 minutes after we're done talking about it. I like the fight. Well, maybe that's why you scored it wrong then. But <laughs> what are you talking about? I just gave it 30-27 for Altamirano. Yeah, every that's round was close. That's reasonable. It just it's a rewarding control over damage and you shouldn't do it. So <laughs> I didn't think there was that much damage going on. There was more, there was enough more damage that just holding somebody and taking them down and not even being able to hold them down. He had to take him down like eight times for a collection, like four minutes of control that like you really literally just have to be wanting to score takedowns as offense. Well, I think they scored it wrong. <laughs> well, one judge kind of got it right almost. I don't Absolutely. agree with the 30-27 for him, but... No. Terrible fight. Anyway. That brings us finally then to Muhammad Naimov, Eric Silva, which was not a fight at all because I did see one dude. This is this is crazy enough that I have to say it because it's the only thing to talk about in this fight. Eric Silva walked backwards, stepped in the crack at the edge of the, the ring, hurt his leg fight over uh some guy came out to me and was like trying to argue that it should be ruled a no contest yeah go tell that to jake ellenberger it's just like i'm sorry but the octagon has been built this way with this with this same issue for 30 years like this is this is not a this was not a faulty construction problem this is the the playing surface that you have to work in if a fighter runs themselves into a into a post and knocks themselves out, you don't be like, "Oh well, that's the octagon is too dangerous." That's no, no, you don't. There's a little trough there. It sucks. You don't want to step on it. The guy boxed yeah. himself backwards into it. That's his own fault. Dude, Jake Ellenberger got his foot stuck in that gap. Yeah, and they have in fact improved it. No they have it. improved it. They have made the gap smaller and tighter over time so that this doesn't happen. But Yeah, it's it's definitely weird. A weird situation. And yeah, I do feel like I, I was robbed of a fight here. Sure. We didn't have a fight. And like the rape... said that he, he tore his MCL. Silva did. Yeah, it sucks. 
Yeah, I was going to say you could play it back, but realistically, Naimov beat Nathaniel Wood and then took this fight. Like, just move him on. I'm sure in an alternate universe, um, Silva could sue the UFC for, uh, you know, unsafe working conditions. They absolutely have written into their contracts that you cannot sue the, in- the UFC for any injury suffered in the octagon. Or for I any am, reason ever. Or for any reason ever. Yeah, I am sure of that. All right. On that note, I don't really have... Do we have anything from the Royville Moreno fight to revisit here? Um, Just the volume. I mean, good to see a yeah. flyweight putting flyweight volume up at Mexico City. Yeah, yeah. Credit to Royville. He did what he needed to do to win. I, I will die on a, a hill all alone saying that the judges should have valued Moreno's power more, but you know, he Royville came with his plan and he fought a flyweight fight. He fought the meta and uh, he got the win. So whatever. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber to do that. Go to bloody elbow podcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.